Hi, welcome to the Three Minute Therapy Podcast. I'm Mick Berry. This is my partner, Michael Edelstein, and we do a weekly podcast where we teach the ideas of rational, emotive, behavioral therapy. And so rational, emotive, behavioral therapy was begun by Albert Ellis in, I believe, the early 50s. Is that correct, Michael? Uh, he started speaking about it publicly in 1955, and his first published paper was 1956, and he called it rational emotive behavior therapy, not behavioral therapy. Okay, rational emotive behavior therapy. So it has, it employs the idea that our thinking is what contributes to or what causes our mental disturbance or our mental health, and it focuses on having us develop, cultivate, and practice re thinking rationally, thinking realistically, using our mind to have ourselves be mentally healthy. It's a way for us to be independent of needing years and years of a, a therapist's couch or to have any interpretation of our dreams. It's all about making ourselves aware of how we disturb ourselves and how we can cease disturbing ourselves. Right. And we, uh, REB teaches you how to be your own therapist so you're not dependent on a therapist for years or even months. Mick and I do therapy on ourselves. Right. Um, I also have a private practice in psychotherapy, and you can find out more about that at my website, 3minutetherapy.com. Three is spelled out, 3minutetherapy.com. And our guest today is Rich Friesen, and uh, Rich Friesen has spoken widely about things related to finances and thinking about finances. Is that correct, Rich? Yes. In fact, I just finished a book, A Private Conversation with Money. And it's going to be interesting because REBT, and uh, this is a conversation. The book is about a conversation between two people and looking at how we think about and how we frame things. And Rich, are you familiar with the REBT concept of our emotions come from our thinking? And if we have disturbed emotions, say we're worried about money, that's because our thinking is in terms of demands. Must, should, supposed tos, have tos. Mm -hmm. I must have a enough money, and if I don't, it's the end of the world. Or I must impress people with how much money I have, otherwise I'm a loser, mm -hmm. etc. Yeah, the, my favorite is I shouldn't have shoulds. <laughs> that's right and and actually albert ellis has said that's the craziest thought any human being can have and i definitely have had it and i guard against having it excellent right. yeah we we call that secondary disturbance shoulds about shoulds you disturb yourself about being disturbed and there is a tertiary i shouldn't have shoulds about shoulds you can even yeah. go <laughs> turtles all the way down <laughs> yeah right, right. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So, Rich, would you like to say more about your work? Yeah, I uh, started um, as a therapist many years ago and uh, since then went to the floors of the exchanges. I built a trading firm. I uh, worked with traders. And what was interesting 
was that uh, in my group of traders, about a third of them would take my methodology and just start making money from day one. A third of them would do, okay, it was worth it, but a third of them would struggle. And I have my own story about my own thinking that uh, I had an internal barrier. And when I changed my thinking, it changed my outcome. I see. And what, was there a common internal barrier some of these people that you uh, spoke with or worked with had? Yeah, it was a belief system. For example, one of them came from a dirt poor West Virginia background. Cousins, you know, big families, cousins, uncles, aunts, just the, the whole thing where everyone would get together. Uh, but they were dirt poor. And when he came to the floors and started making money, there was a voice inside of him that said, you're going to lose your family because the family had just no concept of option trading or wealth. And so as a result, he would make a little and lose it. Uh, another one, his father worked hard, three jobs to put him through school. He was a uh, uh, immigrant to the country. And for this trader to make more than his father, rational or irrational, he felt it would dishonor all the work his father did because he made money so easily. And there's several more stories, including my own, that where our thinking process, our belief system that is often unacknowledged and were, is out of awareness creates behaviors that no longer serve us. Yes, and in uh, some of the stories uh, you just related, Rich, I hear some musts in there, as REBT therapists are wont to do. For example, uh, you can lose your family and I must have a guarantee I won't lose my family. Mm -hmm. And I'll, uh, it'll dishonor all the work I've done. And I must not. I, uh, I absolutely must not allow that to happen. So I think uh, there are some demands in there that lead to some of these emotional and behavioral and financial problems. And that's where... REBT comes in where we could show people how to identify, question, challenge, and contradict their must because all musts are fictions. There is no reason why you must do anything except perhaps die one day. But as, as Albert Ellis has said, one day they'll stick a battery up your ass and you'll live forever. <laughs> right now, you, you must die one day. <laughs> you must. Yeah. Well, it's what I look for is a lot of language try, struggle, work hard, uh, push, discipline. Uh, all those words indicate, actually set up the struggle in, inside of us. If I'm trying, I've already lost because I've set up an internal battle. So what I do is I invite people to a new set of beliefs, identity, behaviors, and, um, and this invitation comes with it does it feel better? Um, my current working hypothesis is that we only change behaviors when we can step into a new behavior that feels better in the moment. So my job is to set it up so that people can step into the new behavior. Now, what you're talking about is when we do that, we have a whole bunch of old beliefs and language, shoulds and musts, that keep us from stepping into it. So for example, one of the things I do is a guided imagery. 
So if we're looking at people in the financial markets, and it could be entrepreneurs or anything else, I'll have them build a house, an imaginary house. We'll go through a guided imagery and they will build this house and it's the master trader's house. This is the house that they long for. And as and I'll go into a lot of detail, building the house, colors, sizes, where it is and all that. And then I'll have them approach the house and look back and see all the people in their lives. Do any of these people have objections to you being in the house? And what this does, it opens the door to become more aware of the voices inside of us and the beliefs and the shoulds and the musts. And typically what happens when they have conversations with the people that they imagine will prevent them from fully ex uh, experiencing their life, often that evaporates. So we go into the house, how do you experience? What do you think? What do you feel? What is the physiology? I work a lot with physiology because I believe that is people <laughs> don't are unaware and they don't tell the truth all the time because they're not aware of it. But physiology tells the truth. And that's an oft oftentimes a way we can get to those shoulds and musts. Uh, I had a few questions about what you said, Rich, but Mick, did you want to get a word in edgewise? Well, you're, you're reminding me, Rich, of something that Michael Edelstein has pointed out to me. I've been practicing REBT for, I don't know, 35 years or something. And um, I have watched the thought that I've sometimes had, I can't stand it. If there's a situation, I'll think I can't stand it. And Michael Edelstein has pointed out that's actually uh, completely unrealistic. And I, for the longest time, would think, okay, I can stand this, and I would be driven and work to stand. I'd feel better, but I would have this attitude that I need to do all this work to stand it. Now, I would get to a place where I could stand it, but then, through thinking about what Michael Edelstein talked about, I realized that I started to be precise with my language and the idea I can't stand it. What am I saying there? I'm saying that I actually cannot stand it. Well, the, the truth is I'm going to exist. No matter how <laughs> I feel about a situation, I will be here. I'm not yes. going away. And so if I'm saying I can't stand it, maybe crawling up in a bed, curling up in bed and crying, that would be about the worst it could possibly get. But even then I'm standing it. I'm just feeling terrible while I'm standing it. And once I started thinking about that, then I thought, well, I'm standing this situation. I don't even need to work to stand it. I'm going to stand it. So that isn't even something I have to worry about. So you reminded me of that with the idea of work and struggle and trying this, all this effort involved, whereas for self-acceptance, for life acceptance, for other acceptance, it's doable as you get really good at it. It's doable. It's right there, as Albert Ellis once said to Michael Edelstein or a question, can three-minute therapy really be that fast? He said, it doesn't even have to take that long. <laughs> Well, what uh, you're pointing uh, out is that once you get a process of being aware of your thinking, accepting your thinking, then what you can do is you can say, now, what do I want? And with practice, that becomes easier and easier because you develop, develop what I call a higher level self. And that higher level self, with practice and exercise, becomes stronger and stronger, and you can like that, you say, oh, I just have a thought that I should do this. Oh, that's not very helpful. Okay, what would I prefer to think? Ah, it would be feel much better if I did X, Y, Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Rich, uh, you had mentioned one of the expressions that you seem to have negative thoughts about was the expression, work hard. I like the expression, work hard. What did you have against that? Well, it depends on the context, of course. For example, I'm working very hard now at uh, marketing my book. Uh, it's not what I, you know, my preference, but I have a goal and I'm willing to work hard for it. But what a lot of people interpret that is I got to work hard. Oh, I got to I got to fight it. I got to work at it. Oh, so they're setting it up already. That hard work is a struggle. So I was referring uh, to that piece of it. Yeah. I see. I see. Mick? Yeah. And I wanted to say I've pointed this out to Michael. It isn't just working hard. It's working smart. And if we are working very effectively and efficiently, it isn't a struggle and it isn't even that hard if we are being smart. This whole thing, computer, Zoom, we're not standing outside and shouting, hoping we can hear each other, which wouldn't work. Somebody figured it out, it was know-how and they created this so we can do this. Intelligence, effectiveness, nothing succeeds like success. Uh, Rich, you had mentioned uh, stepping into a new behavior. Uh, now, some people express that as uh, you just do the new behavior and your thinking follows. But mm -hmm. our model is you're not going to step into a new behavior or do any behavior, actually, without have thoughts first that uh, leads you to act differently or even to act at all. Does that make sense? Well, it's interesting. You know what? I used to think it was emotions first, and then I kind of gravitated, well, it's more physio physiology, what's in our body, and now I'm more thinking it is the thought process. But our thoughts are connected to our emotions and our physiology. So which goes first? So what, for example, what I'll do is uh, I'll have people step into a new situation and we'll see what comes up. And oftentimes, a whole bunch of thoughts and voices will come up. Other times, they'll just crunch down, they'll stop breathing, they'll have a tight abdomen, uh, their physiology will get tight. Other times, they'll be fearful or have emotions. So stepping into the new situation, I believe the predominant of the thinking, the emotions, and the physiology will come up, and we can work with what is there. But as long as we have those thoughts and voices and that doesn't change, then it's very difficult. Let me rephrase that. Doesn't change, then those thoughts can keep us in uh, frames and behaviors that don't serve us. Right, so change your thinking in order to change your behaviors. And the new thinking might be, well, Rich knows a lot about this, so let me try what he recommends. So that would be a thought. Again, I would, I would question the word try. If you're gonna try what Rich recommends, I think you're putting yourself in a struggle. Um, so how I'm a little confused, Rich, how do you get around that? Because often I've thought to myself, well, nothing beats a failure, but a try. And so I think, well, I'll try this. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you, how would you, what's your response to that? Well, what I will do is I'll set it up. So we will step into the new behavior. We do this through guided visualizations or just a process of descriptive. Okay, let's step into the new. I invite you to step into this new behavior. Then we'll look back and see what is stopping you from experiencing that fully. Um, so there's no try involved. 
if it feels better, if, 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 if I have a client and we step into a new behavior, a new reframe, a new way of thinking, emotional state, uh, a physiological state, and they say, oh my gosh, wow, does this feel better? Well, then we know we have it. We still have the old neural connections. We still have the old physiology, the emotional triggers. But now we've actually tasted something that feels better. So now all we can, so that gives us the opportunity now to expand that experience. So no shoulds, no tries, stepping into something that feels better. So it's always moving to something that feels better, that is better, that our, our thoughts, that, uh, that accomplishes our goals. Yeah, Nick. I, I do have a question. As a musician, when I practice, I'll, I think of myself as trying something to see how it goes. Now, there is, doesn't seem to be a lot of effort, but there is the idea, I'm going to try this and see what happens. Yeah, there's a definition. One definition of try is, I'm going to try. Uh, you know, if I hear politicians, we're going to fight this. We're going <laughs> to, you know, that's setting it up. But in the other is, oh, this is interesting. I'm going to step into a new experience with some, by experimenting with something and see the result. And that's another definition of try. So those are two very different. Well, Michael and I and Albert Ellis all advocate semantic precision. I'm thinking the word attempt might be a little more accurate for the healthy trying. I'm going to mm -hmm. attempt, attempt this. Attempt, it no. still has a sense of a bit of failure to me. I'm going to attempt it. Well, well, but failure is an option. Yes. So it's yeah. okay if you have a bit of failure in attempt. Well, I think Michael would agree. We could say, REBT would say, I'm going to try it, but I don't have to achieve it. Yeah, this is really fascinating when we're getting down to language like this, because I think it has such an impact on all of our lives. So I don't have all the answers here. And you brought up something that I think I could develop some more clarity on. So thank you. Well, we had you on because we thought you had all the answers, Rich. Just, oh just my kidding, gosh well kidding. that well that's just <laughs> for marketing <laughs> okay yeah mick uh, and i think michael you would agree that rebt would say i'm going to try this with this goal in mind but i don't have to achieve the goal watch out for the demand yeah exactly. yeah yeah well I, my language over the last few years has evolved from it's um uh, my current way of thinking is my current model is for this situation i think that this may apply to it so what i'm doing is i'm separating myself from rich friesen who has all the answers to one that has a current way of thinking about something i find that that's really helpful because it disassociates me from needing to be right and to prove things to people and to be infallible and all that stuff because gee whiz Rich Friesen is just one speck of how many billion people on the earth. And is it, did God give me the one person in the world uh, the avenue to truth? Great, great humility, Rich. <laughs> I wanted to compliment you, Rich, with when you're saying, I'm going to try. I understand what you mean. There's all this effort with clenched yep. fists. And, and I think within that, Michael, tell me what you think. But I think within that is this attitude, I have to do it. Yeah, well, it depends on the person, but certainly in a lot of cases, the half do is in there. Well, when there's tension, 
when there's anxiety, when there is uh, a, a great deal of pain in something, there's a should within right, that. Right, right. Yes, if there's anxiety, definitely an emotional pain, yes. Yeah. And so for me, the one of the things that RBT emphasizes, and these are my words, not yours, is does the event determine the experience? In other words, does an event come packaged already with the experience? So if we look at extreme wokeness, for example, the outside event determines my experience. And that means that I'm a victim. So I need to change the world. I need to change other people. I need to create an environment of safety, whatever. So I'm okay. Without triggers. What? Without triggers. Without triggers. Yeah. (laughs) So for a healthy person is that I determine my experience. There's an event and I choose how to experience. But again, that requires some really exercise with a higher level self rather than just the neurological reactions. Yeah. We just have a couple more minutes. Uh, Rich, did you have any final words? Yeah, what I'm really concerned about is, uh, and this is where my passion is, where our current culture is going around these healthy uh, premises that you're bringing up today. And I see a culture which is moving to more victimhood. It's moving to more the experience the event comes packaged with the experience. I need to change the world. And, and more entitlement. More entitlement. And I wrote the book, A Private Conversation with Money, to deal with the whole economic financial belief systems. So it's a series of conversations that reframe uh, how we think about things and give people uh, who are good-hearted people uh, a connection to both having a good heart and having an experience with a positive experience with money. Okay, very good. And uh, we don't have much more time. Mitch, did you want to briefly, uh, uh, Mick rather, do you want to briefly uh, have a final word? I just want to thank Rich for coming on here. And it's really wonderful to see somebody doing what I think is really great work. And especially to be working in reality and working with the truth that situations do not make us upset it's how we view the situation people often confuse this we're not talking about physical imposition if somebody hits me over the head with a baseball bat i'm gonna suffer (laughs) yes but if somebody says i'm gonna hit you over the head with a baseball bat and they're holding the air it doesn't matter to me yeah i think very good okay go ahead yeah yeah, I was just going to conclude. And uh, I also, along with Mick, I'd like to thank you, Rich, for coming on. I thought it was a uh, interesting and informative program. Thanks, Mick, for being my trusty partner here. Thanks, Chris Rossini, for being our trusty tech engineer. Um, Dr. Michael Edelstein. And if you have any thoughts, please comment below and give us a like, a thumbs up suggest subject and uh, an idea came up, we can discuss the woke idea as a subject. If you'd like to be a guest on our show, please let us know um, and subscribe to the Three Minute Therapy Podcast to stay on the rational side of life.